Man, we're in the last week of sitting down with Jesus. Whatever your preference is, man, having a cup of coffee, having a tea with him, popping a cold beer, whatever your preference is, we're in the last week of a series where we've just been imagining that what it's like to sit down with Jesus and just ask him those questions that we've always wanted to ask him. I have enjoyed this series. It's been a blast. We've looked at, uh, I can't remember everything we looked at. We've looked at, can God really forgive me? We've looked at, God, why do bad things happen to good people? Just things we don't understand. I, Grady went back, I listened to Grady's message this week. He went back and talked about, Lord, what about them? What about the people who always are judging me or looking down on me or telling me how I should do my life? And they've got all the answers from me, God, but what about them? I don't even remember what I talked about last week. Oh, Lord, Lord, JC, how do we really love people when they're just unlovable? And today, man, I'm excited about this message. Because, see, the last few weeks, we've been a little bit out of my element. It hasn't really been kind of what I like to call a preaching series. It's been a teaching series, and I'm not the best teacher in the world. I read an article this week, and it said that if your church has someone, if the pastor considers himself a preacher, your church is probably in decline. It said because the next generation... They just want a speaker. Here's the deal. Those are speakers. I can't speak for other people. But God never called me to be a speaker. The Bible says, by the foolishness of preaching, it pleased him to save those which were lost. I just don't know anything else. I'm from the South. I didn't grow up in church. When I gave my life to Christ, it was kind of in an old school Baptist church. I'm talking about fire and brimstone Baptist church. I'm talking about the preacher got up there, and I can't even do it to mimic them, but every other breath was like they just inhaled, and like it makes me choke. Even. Like if you ain't ever been in a church like that, we need to take a field trip one day. I'm talking about get up. And talk about, but God, you're going to fry like bacon. I'm talking about when you left there, your feet were hot. I mean, I'm talking about preached against everything. So when I started my own church, I started a church. This is my third church I've started. I moved to Iowa, Ames, Iowa. Don't ask why. That's a whole long story. I was 22 years old. I had turned 22 five days previously. And all of a sudden, man, I start getting up and doing what I'd known my whole life and realize, man, this ain't working. I, this ain't me. I've always had this weird ability to connect with people who don't do church. and So we started some changing, and the church started growing. But here's the deal. I, I can be the buzzword that you want me to be. I can be relevant. I can preach in a way that you understand. But at the end of the day, we're going to spit a little bit, and we're going to holler a little bit. And if you're on the front row, you, I think Mike, like, he's like, he just must like to get spit on because he sits down there every week. But we're going to have a good time. So that's your speakers. I'm your preacher. Today we're going to do a little preaching. Sound good? Today we're going to answer a question. I'm going to be honest with you today. Can I be honest? I know that's hard to imagine a preacher being honest. Over the last few weeks, I've answered questions you'd ask God. And I've enjoyed them, and they're good questions. Today, I, I'm just going to answer a question that i got to be honest, man. After 21 years in full-time ministry, if I was sitting down with God and we were cracking open a Reformation beer, because, you know, that's what he'd do because it's Cherokee County beer. This is the question I'd have to ask him. God, why do most Christians suck? That was that uncomfortable <laughs> Did he really say that? And what you're thinking is, now, Gary, I, I agree with you, but I, are you afraid you're going to get struck by lightning? Like, you know, there's some things that we think, but we're uncomfortable to say. So I know you're not as low level as me. You're a little more highbrow up at Action Church. 
So y'all might not word it this way. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you might word it in a way that, uh, God, I, just, I don't understand why I just don't like most Christians. Translated, why do most Christians suck? Jesus, I, could you just tell me why? Um, it just seems like Christians think they're better than everyone else. Translated in the Gary Lamb English, why do most Christians? Four of you get it. God, I, I just got to be honest about your followers. I mean, I don't really like them. I don't like how they act and how they dress and how they speak and what they do. And they're just so judgmental. Why do most Christians suck? I just got to be honest with you. I didn't say all Christians. But I also didn't say a few Christians. Jesus, I have to know what's wrong with your followers. Better yet, I don't even know if they're your followers. What's wrong with the people who say they follow you? Why are they so vile? Why are they so ugly? Why are they so judgmental? Why are they so mean-spirited? Why do they think they're the only ones that are right? It's killed me this week, and Lord knows I do not want to get into politics today, but I sit back sometimes and just watch. And both sides of the issue, I ain't even going to say the issue because we know the issue. Both sides of the issue are ugly, and they use Jesus in the Bible to back up their views. And then we wonder why a world who wants nothing, that doesn't know Jesus, doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, wants nothing to do with Jesus. Their issue's not Jesus. It's those that say they're following Jesus. I saw some quotes this week. Bono, the lead singer of U2, I love this quote. He said, Christians are hard to tolerate. I don't know how Jesus does it. I feel confident in saying that of all the churches in our country, and I believe there's probably, what, a million churches meeting today all over the world, I feel confident in saying two things, that we're probably the only church around that had Cody Jinks music in service. You know what I mean? And I have to say we're probably the only church where the pastor's about to quote porn star Ron Jeremy. And don't act like you don't know who Ron Jeremy is. Okay? Here's what Ron Jeremy said. He said, I actually dig Jesus. It's his followers that I can't stand. Check this out, because I know what you're thinking. Well, you're using secular people there, a, a, a rock and roll star and a porn star. Okay. Pastor Paul Young Cho. How many of you have ever heard that name, Pastor Paul Young Cho? None of you. Here's the deal with Pastor Paul Young Cho. He pastors the largest church in the world. 125,000 people every Sunday. The biggest church in the world. I read an interview by him this week. I found it very interesting. He was interviewed, and I liked it because I was actually studying for my next year because I started a new series next week called Dangerous Prayers. And we're going to be looking at some of the dangerous, crazy, freaking prayers in the Bible. It's going to rock your world in October. And I saw this quote by him on prayer. And Pastor Paul Young Cho, this blows my mind. He prays six hours a day. Every day. Six hours a day. I got to be honest with you, and it probably reason we, we got like 100 people, not 100,000. I'm good to get like six minutes in. Like, it's not that I don't want to pray, but like, I try to pray for y'all, and like, all of a sudden, a squirrel runs by. <laughs> or like, I start to pray, and like, uh, I'm like, you know what I ought to do at wrestling this week? <laughs> I start to pray, I'm like, you know what band I ought to bring in? I start to pray, I'm like, Start having bad, like dirt, not bad, like dirty thoughts about my wife. You know, that's okay. It's legal because she's my wife, but it pops in while I'm wanting to pray. You know what I mean? And so, like, I like I want to pray for you guys. You know what I mean? I'm just being honest. 
But like this joker prays six hours a day. And in this interview, he was asked, why do you pray six hours a day? He said, my church is so very big. He's Asian, so, you know, picture that in that Asian voice that I'm not going to be, you know, bad and use. My church is so very big with very many people, and I hate so many of them. I must pray six hours a day. My church is so very big. I hate so many of them. The only way I can pastor them is if I pray six hours a day. The problem's not Jesus. The problem is most Christians just suck. And I got to be honest with you, I don't get it, and I want to know why. And I've thought about this question, and I've asked this question, and I've been in the Word, and I've been thinking about it, and I think I got some reasons why. First thing is, man, they're just judgmental. You know why we think Christians suck? Because they're just so judgmental. Christians just come across as so holier than thou. Now, I want you to, again, preface the word. Put that question back up, Big Z, please, sir. Why do most Christians suck? Because I don't want you to leave here. I didn't say all Christians. Like, I think we're talking like most means 99.9%. Not a hundred. You know what I mean? Like there's one out of a thousand, you know? So don't go and say, oh, that pastor said all Christians suck, and how can he call himself a pastor? Because he thinks, I don't think they all suck. I think most of them suck. And one of the reasons is they're so judgmental. Have you ever met a group of people who think they're better than everyone else, like Christians? Have you ever met anybody that loves to point out the mistakes in others and not look at the mistakes in their own life? Have you ever met a group of people that shoot their own like the church? A buddy of mine today who I love greatly goes to our church. He was telling me, he said, I had a discussion about you last night at the winery. I said, cool. About what? He's with, we was with so-and-so, and man, they're not really going to church anywhere right now. And I said, man, why don't you guys come and check out Action Church? And the person looked at him and said, well, you know, I love Gary's preaching. No one has ever connected with me like Gary's preaching. They said, but I just can't get over what he did. And the person said, what what, what did he do? And they went to the face and they're like, oh, you mean 11 years ago? And you can't get over it? I just, I just don't understand it. And that's not saying there was anything right about what I did. But you can't get over it 11 years in, because I know in 11 years you've done something. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, you know. Can't get over it. Man, we shoot our wounded. Someone messes up, and instead of coming and rallying around them and picking them up, man, man we judge them, we make fun of them, and then we do the Christian thing. Because Christians, hey, they don't gossip. Here's what Christians do. Well, let me rephrase that. Let's rewind that. They gossip, but they don't call it gossip. They call it prayer. You need to be praying for so-and-so. Why? I heard they're running around drinking, doing drugs. You know what they did last night? Now, I'm not one to gossip. I just, I'm just i telling you this because I want you to pray for them. Okay. See, Christians are slick. We don't gossip. We pray for folks. Pray for folks. Now, we got to tell you all the dirty, dirty before you can know how to pray. You know, we justify it. But they shoot the wrong. I mean, they, we don't just attack those who are not Christians. Man, we attack those that are Christians. <laughs> Two weeks ago, I had an email from a parent of someone who attends this church. Right after baptisms, right after I baptized their son, I got an email. Dear Pastor. 
scary. You know things are never going good when they call me Pastor Gary. Had it started, Dear Gary, I was like, oh, we was about to be good. But when I heard the word pastor, bam, I knew we was about to get churchy. My son has been attending your church. Don't miss this. Because I'm like, that's cool. I prayed for 15 years that my son would be saved and start attending church. Well, dang, we're off to a good start. For once, like I might like, I might get a good email. I'm like, I'm getting all excited. I'm like, dang, I'm about to say something good. When he had told me, when he told me he was attending church, I knew it was about to get crazy because she started getting Christian-y. I was overjoyed in the Lord. <laughs> week after week, he would come home telling me the things he had learned. I was so thankful. In Jesus. He was so excited to be baptized that I had to attend. I was horrified at what I saw. <laughs> we just did a U-turn in the ladder. Your building didn't have one cross anywhere. The <laughs> this is funny to me because like, like how would she know this is what it's like there? And it's not even open anymore. The music sounded like something I would hear at Bodox. Hey, first of all, hey, hold on, stop, 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 stop. With all due respect to my former Bodox crowd here, that's an insult to this band. Anybody that played at Bodox can't touch the skill of this band. Just saying. I can't believe. You wore blue jeans and flip-flops on the stage. <laughs> Pastor Gary, what happened to giving God your best? And the icing on the cake was watching you walk around during the lunch with shorts and tattoos covering your leg. I thought you were a man of God, but I just don't see it. Then she gave me a bunch of Bible verses to back up her things she said. In the Lord so-and-so her name. So let me get this straight. You've been praying for your son for 15 years. Your son has been strung out for 15 years. Your son hasn't had a relationship with you in 18 months. Now he shows up at the church in the ghetto and he's calling mama saying, man, I'm excited about church. Man, you wouldn't believe what I learned in church. Man, you wouldn't believe what's happening at church. Holy smokes, mama, I, I feel like I've given my life to Christ, and I want everyone to know, so I'm going to get baptized. You've been praying for this for 15 years, and all you can see is there wasn't a cross in the building, that I had blue jeans on, that, hey, that, that, that man, I had a tattoo on my leg. Maybe, just maybe, just maybe, just maybe those are the things that made your son feel comfortable to walk through these doors when other churches wouldn't accept him. <laughs> Instead of praising God and saying, you know what, I don't understand everything that goes on there, and i got to be honest, Pastor Gary, it made me a little uncomfortable, but holy smokes what you've done, what God has used you guys to do in my son's life. Instead, because it didn't look like she think it ought to look and act like she thought it ought to act like, she, just judgmental, man. Christians are just judgmental. God, why do your followers suck? They're just judgmental, most of them. And let's be honest, not only are they judgmental, they're just weird. <laughs> like they're weird. Like, I can say this because I am a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, and Christians are weird. How many of you have ever just been flipping through the channels and seeing, like, Christian television? It's weird. Like, what's up with the big purple hair and, like, like, the pur like they love purple and gold backdrops and, and, like, the weird, just weird stuff. Like, Christian TV is just weird. Like, I watch it sometimes because I'm just like, what in the heck is going on here they're just weird i mean christians on facebook if you love jesus share this picture 
If you want to go to heaven, share that you love Jesus. Like to say you love Jesus. Share to say you worship Jesus. Huh? So my faith and my love for Jesus is dependent on I share something on Facebook? Like, it's just weird, man. They're just odd. They say weird things. I don't, I don't get it. Christian language. Like, Christians have their own language. Like, it was weird. I told you, I gave my life to Christ in a very strict traditional church, and I was Gary. And then I got married, and instantly, I became Brother Gary. Huh? Brother Gary, are you blessed in the Lord today? Well, I guess. I'm alive. Oh, praise his name. Oh, man, I tell you, the Holy Spirit's just coursing through my veins. And again, all, everything they say is true, but they just use this churchy language. Like, if you're an outsider, you don't understand it. Like, like I live here in the non-English-speaking part of Canton. So, like, I go to the Chevron, and I'm not, I'm like, are they talking about me? I know they're talking about me. I know the word loco, and I just heard it. And I know they're talking about me being... Like, it's uncomfortable, because I don't know what's being said. But, like, you come into an average church, and it's uncomfortable. We don't know what's being said. You know? It's just weird. They got this weird church. I call it Christianese. We speak like Christianese, and no one knows what we're talking about. And it's just weird. And Christians, a lot of times, they just dress weird. Like, and there's all kinds of level of dressing weird. You know what I mean? Like, I go work out at this gym every day, and so it's a group class workout, and there's a, a lady there, and, and bless her heart, she's a great lady, super nice lady, and awesome, and I like her, and she's cool. Well, she's she's kind of weird. But um, she's part of a church where women can't wear pants or shorts, so she runs on a treadmill with tennis shoes and, like, this big dress. And it's weird. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to judge her. I'm not saying she's not a nightly. I'm not saying she, but it's just weird. Like I often think to myself, how many people just look at her and think, man, Christians are weird. I don't be part of that. That's weird. And then I ain't going to lie to you. Sometimes I just like try to get right next to her on the treadmill because I want to see if the dress ever gets caught in the treadmill. <laughs> like, I'm like, that'd be cool. You know? And the weird thing is, and I'm not trying to be perverted here. Like, it's just, it is what it is. You wear a dress. It goes, like, so she gets on the rower, and so her dress comes up, and there's shorts underneath the dress. Like, double layer of protection. And I'm like, no one wants to see what you got anyway. Like, why you, like, just wear the shorts. It's good. Like, you ain't causing me to lust. Oh, them knees. Woo! You know? They're just weird. They dress weird. And Christian music's weird. Like, you can be flipping through the radio station, and without even looking, you instantly know when you're on the Christian music station. Some of it's good, and some of it's just bad. Bad. Christians are just weird. They're judgmental, and they're weird. Holy smokes, they're hypocritical. Holy smokes. God, why are your followers so sucky? Well, they're hypocritical. They'll tell you one thing and do another. Or they'll, they live by their standards, and as long as you don't sin, you know, as long as your sin's not the same, it's different than their sin, yours is wrong and theirs is right. You know, a lot like preachers. I've shared this story before, so I don't have many stories, so I have to share the same ones over and over. So, like, I remember I gave my life to Christ, and I'm in church, and I went to this traditional church I told you about, like, like bacon, you know. And um, they have these things called revivals. Anybody know what revivals are? Okay. So, revival, for those of you who don't know, they're horrible. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm sure they're awesome, but they're horrible because they start on Monday, and they go through, like, Friday, and you got to go every night and get yelled at by some outside preacher and, and it's, it's just odd to me, you know, and that's cool. And I mean, I'm not trying to dog it. Maybe we'll do a revival here one day. I don't know, and I'll preach it and yell at you. And, um, but I'm all excited. I'm going to my first revival. And I go to Walmart beforehand. I don't remember what I had to pick up. I think we had a covered dish dinner. That's another thing, covered dish dinner. You know, in the church, you bring covered dish dinner. And um, there's this huge guy in front of me. When I say huge, I'm talking like 400 pounds huge. And dress pants, button-up shirt. And he's buying a tie. And they, they scan the tie. And I, I can't remember, this is 20-something years ago. It came up $9, and he thought it was supposed to be $5. And uh, Which, you know, you say something about that. I get that, $4, $4, you know what I mean? He just got so belligerent with the lady. He was just yelling at her and screaming at her. And I remember he said, I, it, 
It's just a different time that we live in, not that this was right then. Uh, so I, please excuse but this is what he said. He looked at me and said, are you just retarded? And I remember sitting there, and I don't do real good with that kind of stuff. I was always that guy that don't really do good with bullies. And um, I said, hey, man, you need to breathe. Calm down, dude. It's all good. Who are you, young man? I don't know. I'm Gary freaking Lamb. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> calm down, breathe. He got mad and stormed out. So I show up to revival. And my preacher gets up and announces the guest preacher. And 400-pound joker waddles up on stage to preach revival. And he's screaming and spitting. and ho- like I thought he was going to have a heart attack. And he's, if I'm lying, he's preaching against rock music. And I'm thinking, there ain't nobody in here like under 70 years old. There ain't no one except me because I'm an idiot. He's preaching against drugs and fornication. I didn't know what fornication was at that time. I had to go Google. I had to go look it up. Oh, I like, oh, yeah, you probably need to preach against that. And uh, preaching against all kinds of stuff. You know what's funny, though? He never preached against gluttony. He never preached against anger. He was a hypocrite. After the service. Back in that church, he walked up and shook the preacher's hand. Good preacher message. I'm, I'm, I, was, I was 19, 20 years old. I remember his name, Brother Larry. Brother Larry, that was powerful. He was looking, he wasn't paying. All of a sudden, he looks up, and he looked like he saw a ghost. And I never forgot, I looked, I'd, I'd been in church like two months. I said, and you're the reason I never went to church. And boy, my pastor got mad. He yelled at me. It was horrible. But here's the deal. What a hypocrite. We're so hypocritical, man. You know, if someone sins differently than us, we judge them. Christians are just weird, man. They're weird. <laughs> They'll tell you how you should live, and they're out living like hell. You know what I mean? So, like, God, why are, you, why are most Christians just sucky? There's lots of reasons they're sucky. And i got to be honest, as a result of that, there's a lot of Christians I just don't like. But in the interest of full disclosure today, there's one that I really can't stand. When I see this person, my blood boils. I can't stand this person as far as their faith and their walk with God goes more than anyone because I think they're epitome of judgmental. I think they're epitome of weird. I think they're epitome of being hypocritical. And this person drives me nuts so much. And of course, every day it's me. I'm the Christian I can't stand more than any other Christian. Because while I get up and preach about it, at the end of the day, when I get in my flesh and I'm living for Gary instead of I'm living for God, man, I am the biggest hypocrite in the world. And I'm the most judgmental person in the world. And I am kind of the weirdest person in the world. And man, I think about why the most Christians suck and God's like, yeah, I don't know. Why do you suck? I love you. And I died for you. And I believe in you. But it's so easy for you to point fingers at everyone else hurting the cause of Christ, and you've hurt the cause of Christ so much in your life. Because we all have. And at the end of the day, the Bible says every man must give an account for himself. So here's the deal. I'm not responsible for other Christians. I'm not responsible for, I'm not even responsible for my wife's walk with God. She is. I'm responsible for my walk with God. I'm responsible for my actions. I'm responsible for how I carry myself. I'm responsible for how I represent Jesus. Man, I I say things I shouldn't say, and I do things I shouldn't do, and there's so many times my actions have hurt the cause of Christ. Man, there's so many times I'm so unlike Christ that there's just times I despise myself as a Christian. There's a lot of days that I suck as a Christian. And if you were to be honest with yourself today, I'm sure you're in the same boat. So when we ask the question, why do most Christians suck, we probably should change that question and say, God, why do I suck as a Christian? Because I can't change anybody else. I can't change Michelle, and I can't change Kylie, and I can't change Janice, and I can't change Tony. And at the end of the day, I'm not responsible for changing them. 
I'm responsible for looking in that mirror and knowing, man, I'm doing all I can to be Christ-like in my actions. It's so easy for me to point out the faults of others, but it's a whole nother story when it comes to me. It's so easy for me to get up here, and I like to do it because it just makes me laugh, and I find amusement in it. It's so easy for me to get up and, and joke around about other churches. <laughs> Look at this church and be like, man, we are screwed up too. <laughs> we screwed up in a different way, but we screwed up. Man. So i got to have some reminders in my life. So we're going to answer the question, why, why do most Christians suck? And I think the reason so many of us suck is we forget some things. We just forget some things. In Revelations, the Bible says you, you, you forgot your first love. Repent and turn back to it. We just forget some things along the way. And we need to be reminded, we forget the main point about ourselves. We forget the main point about ourselves. First Peter says this, Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. You ever thought about what that word holy means? God tells us that we're to be holy in our actions. Yet we forget the main points about ourselves. Now remember, I say this all the time, the English language is a very limited language. It's a very nondescriptive language. My wife makes fun of me because I use this story, illustration all the time, but I think it's a great illustration. For example, the word love. If she was here, she'd be on the front row laughing with Betty right now. She can't not think of another illustration. Be quiet, woman, I'm preaching. <laughs> the word love is a powerful word. I love my wife. But I also, <laughs> I love pizza. And I love my wife different than I love pizza, but I use the same word. Because the English language is limited. So we hear the word holy, and it's a very nondescriptive, and we don't truly get the depth of what it is. Here's what the word holy means. It means sacred, pure, morally blameless, consecrated, set apart. We forget that as Christ followers, there's to be something different about us. There's something to be different about the way we walk and the way we talk and the way we handle situations. And I've got to get to the point when I want to not suck in my walk with God's, I've got to ask myself all the time, am I living my life set apart? Am I living my life different? That doesn't mean I'm a kook. That doesn't mean I'm some crazy Christian that no one can relate to. It doesn't mean I'm acting better than others. It doesn't mean that I'm a prude. It doesn't mean anything, but what it does does mean is when people see me, they see someone and like, man, he don't have it all together, but he handles what he don't have all together just different than I do. There's something different about that person, and I don't know what it is. Do they see my lifestyle as different? Man, this has been a thing in my life because I got to the point that I thought, man, to reach people far from God, you had to act like people far from God. Jesus never acted like the people he hung out with. They felt comfortable around him. They felt loved by him. They felt welcomed by him. They felt like, man, this guy loves me no matter what, but he didn't act like them. Let me tell you something. The problem with so many of us, and I'm just going to be honest with you, and the reason so many people no longer attend this church is because so many of us, I'm not preaching at you today, I'm preaching with you, is they looked at you and they looked at me and they said, there's nothing different about them. Why am I going to take the time to be part of something and add to my list when there's nothing different about them? We're to be set apart. We've got to remember that about ourselves. Do they see my purpose is different? Do they look at me and say, man, he's chasing the almighty dollar and he only cares about the things? Or they look and say, man, there's a person who's doing what they feel called to do and their walk's different and their talk's different and their actions and there's nothing wrong with pursuing your career. There's nothing wrong with making great money. There's nothing with doing wrong with what you love, but is that your purpose? I tell people all the time, my purpose is not the things you see me do. I do those things where I can live out my purpose. My purpose in life is not to put on barbecue and craft beer festivals. What's your purpose? I want to cook barbecue and let everybody drink beer. I love those things. I love that they create community. I love that people can escape their reality for a while and come and have a great time. I love it. But those things merely provide for my family where I can do my purpose, which for me is to do this. Those aren't my purpose. They're not who I am. Our purposes, when they look at us, do they see our demeanors? Do they see that we talk different and we handle ourselves different? And even when we don't agree, I had some people hit me up this week about the issue. 
where do you stand? And I told them where I stood. You know the amazing thing about it? I didn't have to call them names. I didn't have to call anybody else names. I didn't have to dog it. I said, here's where I stand. And not a one of them argued with me. A couple of them said, I don't agree with you, but thank you for sharing your point of view. My demeanor was different. Do they see my marriage is different? Do they see my marriage and they think, man, that dude and his wife have been through hell and we've been through hell. A lot of it's self-induced. But they say, man, even though they've been through hell, they're working through it and they're working this and they're doing I hope they see it different. That doesn't mean our marriage is perfect. We need to quit thinking our life is going to be perfect when you follow Jesus because it's not going to be perfect. The Bible says in this world you will have trouble. It's not all, it's not all unicorn farts and daisies, baby. Hey, listen to me. Life is hard and marriage is hard and career is hard but when you go through those hard times do they just see something different about you or do they see you handling it like everyone else handles it because when we handle it like everyone else we become that judgmental hypocrite like man christians suck they see my goals in life. They see my pursuits. They see the way I manage my money. Do they see the way I talk with people? They see the way I handle my enemies. Do they see differently? And I'm not saying they do see them different. I'm telling you, I'm working in all these areas. But when they look at me, do they just remind that I'm trying to be holy and there's something different about me? There was something different about Jesus, and the Bible says everywhere he went there was multitudes of people, and there was crowds, and there was large people gathered around him so much that sometimes it crushed him because people saw something different in him. He didn't get up and say he was different. He didn't get up and judge them because they were different. He was, oh, i got to do a whole sermon on this. He was so secure in who he was that he lived his calling, and his calling impacted people. Mm -hmm. If you're truly following Jesus, there'll be something radically different about you. You won't look like you've always looked, and you won't think like you've always thought, and you won't act like you've always acted. That doesn't mean you won't stumble along the way, but there'll be something. See, the fact of the matter is, is there's really in our society no difference between the way Christians live and the way non-Christians live. Think about this. I, I saw these stats this week. How many Christians versus non-Christians volunteered at a non-profit last month? 27% of non-Christians volunteered at a non-profit last month. 27%. 29% of Christians did. No difference. 48% of non-Christians donated to a non-profit last month. 48% of those who don't made some kind of donation. 47% of Christians did. Really no difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. How many gave money to the poor last year? 34% of non-Christians gave money to the poor last year. 34%. Only 24% of those who call themselves Christians gave money to the poor last year. world looks at it and says, I don't see any difference between the Christians and the non-Christians. I've been divorced. I'm, I'm not judging you. Been divorced. Been there, done that. Got the scars to prove it. 23% of non-Christians have been divorced. 27% of Christians have been divorced. There's no difference in the world's eyes between Christians and non-Christians. And here's the problem. It's because the Christians, those who call themselves Christ followers, are not following Christ. We're not living like Christ. Ephesians says, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity of greed because those are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. See, as, what we like to do as Christians is we tend, no, this is good. We tend to accuse others and excuse ourselves. Woo! We tend to accuse others but make excuses for ourselves. <laughs> My name. I was going to say Slim Shady, didn't you? My name is Gary Lamb. And I am the king <laughs> of forgetting that I'm supposed to be holy. And I'm supposed to be separate. And I'm supposed to be consecrated. And therefore, people look at me and they say, man, he's one of those Christians that suck. Not only do we forget the main points about ourselves, but we forget the main point about others. We forget that God calls us to be radically focused on others instead of us. We forget that we're to live our lives on this earth. That's why we're here. To love people more than we love ourselves. Man. When I look at my own life many times, i got to be honest with you. I look at people, 
Just being honest with you. And I don't think, how can I minister to them? How can I help them? I think to myself, man, how can they help me? And what can they bring to me? And I think we got churches all over the country that are using their people to build the church instead of the church to build their people. We see, it's just human nature that we see people for what we can get out of them instead of what we can give to them. But God tells us to be about others. We judge rather than love. We shoot our wounded, I've already said that. We stop caring. Bible says in Luke 6, do to others as you would have them do to you. Do to others as you would have them. Listen, life, if you don't get any principle I ever preach, get this. Life is not about you. Can I tell you something? I have screwed up some things in my life. I'm not, I'm not just talking about, um, I've screwed up financial things in my life. I've screwed up business things in my life. I've screwed up marital things in my life. I've screwed up things with my kids in my life. Whatever the screw up is, listen, and you can listen too. I'm not playing the martyr up here. But I had this breakthrough recently in my Bible reading something. I'm like, man, God, why do I screw up so much? What's the root of all of it? Every time I screw up, it's when I'm thinking and being selfish and thinking everything's about me. Every single time that I F up, it's when I'm focused on me and making it about me and making the situation about me. We're not to live our lives about me. It's not about you. It's about others. Now, every time I say that, some smart aleck messages me and says, I thought it was about God. It is about God. But if the only purpose for us being here was to worship God, then he'd just kill us and take us home where we could be in heaven and worship him. The only thing we can do here that we can't do in heaven is we can make it about others. And we've got to do a better job at that. We forget the main point about others. Hey, and I've got to get out of here today. We forget the main point about church. You hear all these weird things in church if you've been to a normal church. And there's so many things you don't hear about in the Bible. Like, like you hear in the church about, anybody know what Robert's Rule of Orders is? Like that governs church. Robert's Rule of Orders is how the church makes decisions. It's, it's really how the politics makes decisions. I make a move, I make a second, I make a motion, here's the proper way to present something. It's very effective in our society. Yeah, we take that, we put it in the church and wonder why the church is ineffective because we're running the church like the world runs the business. We vote on stuff. People say, we're, we're, we've never voted here. We, we, we vote every Sunday. Every Sunday. How many of you know we vote every Sunday? Here's how you vote every Sunday. By showing up. You stop showing up, and I'm like, oh, I guess I didn't like that decision. <laughs> you know? So, you know, I'll never forget. I don't want to get into that story. We just Listen. You vote every week by showing up. We have all these weird rules, you know, like in the church, you know, that you can't find the Bible. We have all these weird things like, like, like to get baptized, you've got to go to this five-week class. Why? Like, I just said I got saved and I got baptized, you know. To serve, you've got to do this. Like, we just have all these weird things. We forget what the church is about. We tend to think the church should be built on what we want and what the pastor wants, you know. And the problem is the church many times is built on the people and the people know they're going to outlast the pastor so they run the pastor off and bring someone in who's going to do what they want to and if that pastor doesn't do what they want to they're going to run him off because man, we want it to be what we want. It's not what the church is about. I actually say, see we live in a society, even membership, we don't do membership here. Everybody's like, yeah, can I join your church? We don't, we don't have anything for you to join. That's just more paperwork for me. And here's the deal, we, we don't do membership because I don't sit in the Bible. You know what I mean? And the problem is when someone becomes a member of something, we think we're entitled to something. When I become a member at the golf course, I get to go play golf there. No one else can. Like yesterday, I went to Sam's for Christine, and I'm a member at Sam's. So you know what being a member at Sam's means? It means I get to buy a thing of sour cream that is this big. And I don't get to just buy one bottle of ketchup. I get to buy three all together. And I... I, I, I just get 
big things of guacamole, you know what I mean? Like, ooh, such so many benefits. But I get benefits from being a member. And that's the problem with the church. People become members and think they get benefits. Let me tell you how it works around here. If we had membership, simply membership would mean that you just gave up all your rights. It isn't about you. It's not about the four walls here. I love you and I love being your pastor. I'm so glad you're here. But if you think for a second it's about you, you think for a second it's about me, you're mistaken because it's about them. Them who? The 74% of people in this community who don't attend church. Not because they have a problem with Jesus, but they have a problem with Christians. The world around us is dying and going to hell because they're looking at the church and they're looking at Christians and they see nothing different. We have churches full of pastors who are people pleasers instead of God pleasers. We got pastors who don't want to get up and talk about anything because they're afraid they'll lose their paycheck. Something's wrong. Someone who does something for money, well, never mind. Matthew 16, 18, on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail or not, shall not overcome it, prevail against it. The church is built on Christ and Christians start sucking when they think it's about them. Well, my great-great-grandmother went to that church, and she poured her blood, sweat, and tears in it. Great. And I guarantee your great-great-grandmother would rejoice at the changes the church has made that's now reaching her great-great-grandson. But you want to hang on to the traditions. You want to hang on to the way things have always been. I'm just more of a traditional church guy. Awesome. I think traditional church is great. But you're a liar. You're not more of a traditional church person because you ain't been to church in four years. And if you thought traditional church connected with you, you'd be in it every week. You're just looking for an excuse not to go to church. You're looking for, a, I don't think you got to go to church to be a Christian. You don't. You don't. But the Bible says we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Find me a guy. Some guy tells me, uh, uh, man, I said, man, what do you need? I'm a football player. I said, what football team you play on? Well, I don't play anymore. Then you ain't a football player. <laughs> you know. Like, what does that mean? Like, you're a football player, but you ain't on a football team? I'm a Christ, but I ain't part of a church. Oh, okay. Then you're one of them Christians that suck because you think it's all about you and you don't want to be around other people who believe, like, I, I don't know about you, but I need this every week. When I miss this every week, I start to get a little crazy. I, I, people kill me. I said, a couple weeks ago, I came to church here. We moved here three years ago, and we've been looking for a church. Did you know there's 978 churches in Cherokee County? You can't find a church? The problem might not be the church. It might be you. We got black churches. We got white churches. We got big churches. We got small churches. We got Baptist churches. We got Methodist churches. We got charismatic churches. We got Spanish churches. We got... Uh, Rock and roll churches, we got contemporary churches, we got First Baptist Church. Whatever your flavor, baby, we got it. We got house churches. Like, you've been looking for a church for three years and you ain't found one? Good Lord. You're looking for the perfect church. And when you find that perfect church, don't you join it because it won't be perfect anymore. Christians just suck. The church has just lost touch with the world, man. Even the new modern church. The new modern church is just a new traditional. Ooh, you got screens in a band. So does everybody else. And yet 35 and under don't want anything to do with the church because it's irrelevant to their life. We've lost touch. Christians think they can make it without the church. People that do attend church think the church is here for them. Church ain't here for you. Acts said this, all the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold their possessions and the good they gave to everyone. Had any. Here's what the church is for. For others. We're a body. There's no place we can live out our purpose like we can here. Because here's why we're all a different part of the body. You might be the finger. Well, a finger by itself is no good. So what you got to do is you got to come be part of the body where you can get connected to the hand. 
hand by itself is no good unless you're in the Adams family or whatever that show was when I was a kid. You gotta be connected to whoever the arm is. And, and, and then some of you, you're the mind, and some of you, the nose, and some of you, like, I guess I'm the mouth. I don't know. And then every church, even someone's got to be the butt. You know what I mean? We, we accept that there's going to be one of those here in the church. Got to be part of everything. Together, we're better. We're better together. I am simply a mouthpiece. So if all I had was not the church and I was a mouthpiece, I'd be a street preacher on the corner yelling at everyone. There wouldn't be any Thanksgiving people being fed, no clothes being fed, and no kids there, because those are other parts of the body that come together. We forget the main point about the church. The church isn't for us. So ultimately, why do most Christians suck? Because we're selfish. And we think everything's about us. We forget the truth about us. We forget the truth about others. We forget the truth about church. And man, I tell you, it's my... Paul, there's, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. He had a struggle. He said, I die daily. Man, I am learning every day that I have to die to myself and die to my ego. Because, man, when my ego gets going, and, and, and I start making it all about me. And here's what I did for years. Oh, I want to do a series on this. Here's what I did for years. Hope your crock pot's on low today. Um, for years, what I did was is I was me, and I blew up and imploded, and lost, so I quit being me. Okay? And then I became ineffective because God made me a certain way. So now, 10 years later, what I'm finally learning to do is, and because when I'm not me, I'm miserable, and I affect my wife, and I affect my kids, and I affect everybody around. So I'm learning to be me, but not be sinful in being me. God made me bold, and God made me controversial, and God made me where I take stands, and God gave me a little bit of influence. But the problem is, my ego gets mixed in with those things. And I become bold for the wrong reasons. And I connect with people for my own ego and to get in the paper and to get this and to do whatever. And, oh, look what Gary did. See, I, I'm learning. I'm not there. But I'm learning to use my skills but not be sinful in using my skills. You've got to learn how to be you. God gifted you that way. We can get arrogant. I'm a prayer warrior. I'm not a prayer warrior, but I'm saying you might be a prayer warrior. But you can become arrogant in being a prayer warrior. I help addicts, awesome. You can become arrogant. Instead of helping addicts because you really want to help them, you help them because it feeds your ego. I lead worship. Awesome. Do you lead worship for God or do you lead worship for yourself? See what I'm saying? Everything comes back, and the reason most Christians suck is because human nature is to be selfish and make everything about us. We've got to check ourselves. Yeah, check yourself before you wreck yourself. You know what I mean? 